0: Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. In the mid 90s, years of tension between police and disenfranchised youth exploded into rioting. The three nights of angry fighting in the Marsh Farm area of Luton in the UK made international headlines. Now, with a resolute determination, the Marsh Farm community that had suffered high unemployment rates and stark poverty is finally experiencing a regeneration of the area. Glenn Jenkins is one of the Marsh Farm Community Organisation facilitators, and last year he shared with our students how he and others have worked to rebuild their
1: community. Generally people use the term community organising, but I don't like that term because it means I'm going to organise the community and I know that communities can only organize themselves so I'm a facilitator of self-organization in communities okay
0: yeah. and what community in particular marsh
1: have you farm. worked marsh farm's my home base where i we we develop all of our stuff in marsh farm but i've worked in several different communities across the country in terms of some of the stuff we do in marsh farm coming to share it with people in Northampton in Bristol in Liverpool different places yeah so but again i do it in the way of bringing a, a method and then finding a group within that community because it necessarily is inside out development yeah not from the outside in right so find a group within there who share those kind of ethics and principles and and work with them they do the work we do the scaffolding if you like yeah yeah
0: so explain marsh farm to me
1: marsh farm is where i live and where i brought all my kids up it's a housing estate, formerly a council, fully council estate, on the north end of Luton. It's the most northern part of Luton, so fields next to us here, and it's um, 3,200 households, flats, housing and maisonettes, 9,600 residents. So it's a kind of fair-sized community, but I would say it's small enough to be personal and big enough to be economically viable. That's a that's a balance yeah, so just big enough to be viable in terms of the economics i was talking about about making our own food and things like that, and buying our own stuff you can there's enough of us whereas if we use our collective spending power we can make a difference but then there's not too many of us so that you can't know everybody's name and that's important i think i think when it gets so big that it's numbers rather than names then you lose the, the sort of bottom-up touch that's needed for what we do Marsh Farm is where where I brought all my kids up. It's a multicultural, beautifully multicultural estate, and it's got a reputation for, I'd say, standing up for itself. They'd say <laughs> t- they'd say trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's I all love about it. About
0: perspective, isn't it? I
1: love it. I love exactly. It's all about perspective. And my perspective is that Marsh Farm is a stand-up community where people are. It's a one love community here. Yeah, where I've never seen racist graffiti in Marsh Farm and I doubt I ever would because it's kind of like that you know and I, I love it I love the place I love it.
0: We're here this evening at Clare College we're about to go and have a formal dinner which is part of the, uh, the the residential weeks that the students for the MST in social innovation get to enjoy it's like that moment of release at the end of the <laughs> week but you are our guest speaker today mm. and what is it that you, you feel is so important that you need to be sharing with these people who are looking at different ways of changing the world
1: to be honest with you, the answer to that question, someone asked me that earlier on, like, you know, I, I, think, I think that the benefits of grassroots activism and activists coming together with people who can be in policy-making places, I think there's a necessary marriage that has to go on there of, of, of communication across what is a massive divide. I mean, I'm in Cambridge here now. It's like posh to me here, yeah? Do you know what I mean? I'm a yeah. fish and chips man and i'm here in this place here i'm thinking why it's the third time i've been here and every time i come here i think well it's like morse inspector morse that's the closest <laughs> i've got to being in here you know what i mean so it's kind of like speaking across the divides if you like and i think that i think that's what it's all about someone asked me earlier they said you know i work in policy making and they feel a bit distant from the grassroots and i was saying maybe it's a combination of the two you know people who have got activism grassroots concepts and ideas um in some ways people in so-called higher places can validate that like there's a there's a prejudice inbuilt to the system yeah which says like if you're from a council estate i mean if they did it in terms of race if they said like because you're black you can't manage your own affairs that would rightly be called out as seriously racist but on class terms it's done all the time oh you can't trust poor people with money you can't trust poor people etc You know, you can't... Poor people can't organise themselves, they need to be tended to. That whole attitude stinks as far as I'm concerned. And I find there's an immense amount of locked up talent in poor communities. But at the same time, policymakers and people who are going to be in big business, big government, big all of that, need to share some of that. So that's why I'm here really. The reason I come here is because I think bridging the divide and often working together can advance the cause, basically.
0: It might be all too easy to assume that activism comes from a moment of anger, but was there a moment of anger that that pushed you down this road?
1: At the moment, I say moment, a period of frustration with the world. When I was a train driver, when I was in full employment, I was angry with the world, you could say. I was angry with the injustice of the world, the imbalanced economy that people i love around me suffering as a result of that all of those things that come with living in deprived areas as they call it i call it oppressed areas yeah because i don't like the term deprivation i like oppressed yeah because it's about resistance to that so i think there's a there's a yeah anger you could call it anger i'd call it like committed frustration you know, and it's something, you get committed to do something about it because I live with the impacts of universal credit and seeing people evicted from their homes and having to be round there to put a squad of people on the door because bailiffs are turning up to evict the poorest people I know of. Do you know what I mean? So that makes you angry, that makes you passionate, that makes you committed, and I think... So there's definitely a, a role for anger, but I think channeling it into something that's positive and not angry in its response if you like is crucial like even now for example with the brexit thing yeah right every poor person i know voted leave every middle class person i know voted remain do you know what i mean and 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 it's because we've had different experiences over the last four we've seen communities with fine jobs lifelong careers reduced to amazon and zero hour contracts and no, you know, um, and then we're told, oh, the EU will protect your workers' rights when I'm on a zero-hours contract. What are you talking about? So the reality gap between the professed benefits of being in the EU, workers' rights protection, et cetera, and the reality for us on the ground, where well, there's three million of us, my daughters included, we're on zero-rights contracts here, yeah? hundreds of years of workers' rights, paternity leave, maternity leave, annual leave, wage increase, all gone, all gone at the stroke of a pen. So I feel the anger of that, and what I see now at the moment in the country is a divide between the haves and the have-nots, the done well and the not done well, and there's a. St-
0: but is it? Sorry to interrupt you, but is it about the done well and the not done well, or is it about the the opportunities or the lack of opportunities that both groups actually face and have to deal with?
1: No, I think I think it's I think it's what I've seen in poor communities is our opportunities radically eroded. So when I was a kid, 79, I left in school and become a train driver. I could have become a welder. I could have become loads of things in shipyards, in car factories. There was a whole load of productive, meaningful employment, job for life, things like that. Security, your house was secure. One person at work could afford for the whole family to go on holiday. Now, two people at work on minimum wage you ain't got no holidays mate you ain't got it so there's been a radical worsening of our lifestyle our experiences our our existence and so I I don't see it as like making most of opportunities I see it as one portion of the population's opportunities have been radically increased so I know middle class people who buy houses in Hungary yeah because of the EU and all of a sudden because we've got this membership they're buying a house for 9,000 pound and paying Hungarian people the equivalent of £30 a week over here to restore it. thats to me, is like the rich coming into the poor parts of the world and, you know, taking advantage of it, yeah? So I think that it's only relevant at the moment with Brexit because there's this big divide in the country. And because Brexit vote is not just working-class angry vote, it's also right-wing Tory vote, they're in our camp as well, it can become a bit forgotten about those of us who voted a particular way because of our life experience and you get branded as a racist and thick and all that just makes it worse it makes the divide worse so so i think it's i think i think it's more than just a perception of opportunity i think our opportunities have been radically reduced the working class in this country over the past 30 years yeah one
0: more question for you Mm. so you talk about positively
1: channelling mm. the anger and the frustration. Mm. How did you go about doing that? I'll give you an example. So I could show you a bit of film footage from one of our dances, where there's an MC local called Life. Yeah, he's brilliant. Right, and he speaks the language of the poor people. Yeah, the, the frustrated section of the community. But he does it in rap, in hip hop. And in his hip hop, he talks about how our situation yeah, from, from a poor person's point of view. He positively channels the anger through art and that positive channeling of his art, of his lyrics and his chiming into what we feel, right, makes you feel a bit liberated when he's saying it because you, yeah, man, the police and all that sort of thing, yeah? Right, but, but then if that was just it, if it was just about cussing it, if it was just about chanting it, But what we're talking about is the end, as his rap moves on, we talk about what we're going to do about it, yeah? And that exciting, we can come together and do something about this, is positive. And particularly when you start sorting out what's moral and what's not. So violence, we can't use that. That's for them. Like I said in the the presentation, that's for them, yeah? And non-violence is moral, and non-love of money is moral. So I don't do what I do for money, our group does, does it for community. not to make ourselves rich, but to make our community rich. That's what I see as positively channeling what could become aggressive energy into constructive building of alternatives. Based on, by the way, I should say before we go, this society is based on hoarding and competing. They're the underlying values, yeah? Get as much as you can, you're a winner, right? Even if you tread on people to get there, you're successful, yeah? We see sharing and cooperation as spiritually sort of much more family type approach to life so our rappers base it on sharing and cooperation and cooperatives and things like that rather than let's make myself rich over somebody else and things like that you know the rap race we kind of try and dispel that out of space you know what i mean
0: That was Glenn Jenkins talking about being a community organisation facilitator and working with communities such as Marsh Farm in the UK. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn.